to come to the conclusion of the Traore service. We have meditated upon the agony, first steps of making good confession, examining your conscience. We have looked at the cruel scourging and crowning with thorns and saw that what sin does to God, how much Christ suffered because of sin. Thus moving us to a true contrition for our sins, the second step for making a good confession. And then there was the carrying of the cross and all our Lord went through as he carried this cross to Calvary. How we ought to imitate our Savior and carry our crosses each day to resolve to avoid those occasions of sin in order to keep from sinning. We thought about our Lord hanging upon the cross, words of forgiveness and mercy he spoke upon it. How we ought to confess our sins simply and humbly and confessional. And finally, we consider the Lord's death upon the cross, how his side was pierced and his heart opened to us. His most sacred heart, which he deigned to have opened upon the cross to prove how much his love, he loves us. And then we went over how we must have, we must do the penance the priest gives us in the confessional, but also to cheerfully accept the penances and mortification of daily life how we ought to join our Savior, and how he asks us, each one of us, to help save souls by our prayers and penances. He asks us to join him in, our, in the redemption of mankind. My dear faithful, our Lord asks us to take up your cross and to follow him each day. Christ, of course, paid the price of our redemption, but he asked you to participate in saving the souls nonetheless. Our Lord does not need our help, but since he has asked for it, it has become an obligation for us. As our Lord revealed to a certain Carmelite sister that every Christian is under a strict obligation to assist poor sinners, and that there is not one sinner who will escape the fires of hell unless the faithful help save them by their prayers and sacrifices. And so, our Savior begs you then to join him in the redemption of mankind. He wants you to share in his passion, to make up for what is wanting in the sufferings of Christ. As St. Paul said, I rejoice in my sufferings and to fill up those things that are wanting in the sufferings of Christ. You see, as we contemplate our Lord's suffering and death, we must remember that we are to join him. We live in this valley of tears, and we must suffer and carry our crosses each day with Christ. You see, throughout his passion, our Lord's greatest desire was for mankind to share in his passion, to help him save souls. Our Lord doesn't need us, but he wants us to be there with him to share in his sufferings, in his pains, in his passion and death. That is why we are here today. In the agony of the garden, our Lord asked the apostles to watch one hour with him. Three times he went to them and asked them to watch with him, even after they had already fallen asleep. He wanted their help, his, their assistance. In his scourging and crowning with thorns, he had Our Lady 
and his few faithful followers there to watch him, to join with him. As he carried his cross, he even fell three times to impress upon us his wish that we be there to help him get up. He didn't need it, of course, but again he let St. Veronica come and wipe his face. He allowed Simon to assist him in carrying his cross. And on the cross, our Blessed Lady, his mother, is there throughout his entire horrific scene, even as they pierce his most sacred heart before her very eyes. And then there's the good thief, of course, to profess and stand up for our Lord. The good thief, known now as St. Dismas, does not ask to be taken down from the cross, for he knew it was his just punishment for his crimes. But he simply asks our Lord to remember him in the next life. All of these show us and are great examples to us of how our Lord is asking us to be partake in his passion and death and how to mo- motivating it is to think that you are an essential figure in the salvation of the world. And so what will be your answer? Will you answer like Our Lady and say, Fiat, thy will be done. Do with me as you will. Our Lord himself promised St. Margaret Mary that one just man can obtain the pardon of a thousand evildoers. And so he counts on you then to complete what is wanting in the passion. You are responsible then for the sanctification of a greater or lesser number of souls. Now, of course, to be a victim, to share in the sufferings of Christ does not strictly mean that we will be scourged, crowned with thorns, and nailed to the cross. It means that we are to be humble enough to accept all the things as coming from God's will and not to decide for ourselves if it really is his will or not, but rather to submit our will to his. In those daily circumstances of life, to put our self-will and pride to death on the cross, to be humble enough to accept our state of life with joy and cheerfulness, to be obedient in our state of life to those in charge of us in one way or another, to offer all our obedience to the Father as Christ did, who was obedient even unto the death of the cross, to recognize God's will in your particular state of life and and under the present circumstances of life, in the sickness and in health, and all the present difficulties that you may find yourself in. These are God's will for you. Being confined to your home, working even more to make a living, to give up the usual freedoms we have, whatever it may be, is God's will for you. And also to fulfill God's will for you by practicing virtue and keeping the commandments, thus avoiding the occasions of sin that lead you into it. We can lessen then the pain of our Savior that he suffered in his passion and death by sinning less now and by making up for the sins of others. I've heard it said, 
We should be like a shield to fend off the blow of a spear that pierced our Lord's sacred side as he hung upon the cross. That is to stop the injuries that our Lord received in his passion. But I think, to think about it, if St. John or Mary Magdalene stopped the soldier from piercing our Lord's sacred side, his sacred heart and the wondrous mysteries it contained would not have been open to us. So rather being the object to step in the way of the spear that pierced our, our sacred Lord's side, we must not strive to take away then our Savior's cross, take him off the cross. He could have done this himself. Rather, we must be nailed to the cross with our Lord. We must also follow the injunction of our Lord who said to take up the cross daily and follow him. We are to join our Savior on the way to Calvary, bearing your daily crosses, the trials of this earthly life. We must do our part like Simon the Cyrenian, St. Veronica, and St. Dismas on the cross. We should accept the crown of thorns that comes to us in the daily headaches and difficulties of life, dealing with the problems that this life presents to us as God's will for us, to bear the insults and ridicule of others, just as our, sake, as our Lord did in his passion, when the soldiers mocked him and beat him. We don't want to just remove the thorns from our sacred Savior's head, but rather to remove them from his and place them in our own crown. We must also generously accept the scourgings of daily life, those little sacrifices of our duties that bring upon us, the little mortifications that come to us in daily life. We can mortify our flesh and avoid by avoiding the occasions of sin as well, especially the unnecessary entertainment that leads us into sin. And lastly, he asks us to watch one hour with him. That is, we must be faithful to our daily prayers, especially the daily rosary. To ask his Blessed Mother then to assist you each day and every day in carrying your crosses. As I mentioned, the salvation of a greater or lesser amount of souls depends upon your prayers and your sacrifices. And so our Lord calls you then to join him. He invites you to be his special partner in his sufferings. He invites you to share in the great work of saving souls. He did not want to accomplish the redemption alone. He could do it without you but he has deigned to need you, to need your love and generosity, your prayers and sacrifices. And so speaking for our Lord, I ask, what about you? Are you willing to fill up those things which are wanting to my passion? St. John of the Cross said, have a great desire then to be made like unto this great God, your humble and crucified Lord, to be like him in his crucifixion, to suffer with him. For of what use is this life if it is not spent in imitating him? So I encourage you now to make a good confession, to persevere throughout the year in receiving the sacraments, especially 
following those steps to make a worthy confession by examining your conscience, seeing how we have offended our Lord, to stir up a true sorrow for your sins by contemplating the passion of Christ, making a firm purpose of amendment to avoid sin, the occasions of sin, to keep from committing all sin, even venial sin, and to simply confess your sins to the priest, to be open to what the priest suggestions and questions. And lastly, to do the penance the priest gives you, but also the penances and mortification that you must go through each day of your life to atone for your sins and the sins of others. For those who never pray and who do not make up for their own sins, we can make up for them. Lastly, to help you to make a good confession, there was once a saintly bishop who in his practice made it his practice to go to confession each week. A certain priest asked him how he did this and how he did it without making it routine. And so the priest's friend asked him what he thought about and how he did this. The bishop said that whenever he prepared for confession, he always brought to mind three pictures. The first picture he brought to mind was hell, the second heaven, and the third Christ upon the cross. He said first he let his imagination take him to the place of torments. That is, he thought about hell and where he deserved to be, where he honestly believed he deserved to be because of his sins. And then he thanked our Lord that he was not actually there. And he begged our Lord to give him the grace needed for his salvation. Secondly, he recalled to mind heaven, to think about the happiness and glory there. That joyful place where a blessed lady lives with all the saints and angels in heaven. He realized its happiness would be closed to him forever if he did not repent of his sins. And lastly, he recalled to mind the scene of Calvary. He pictured our Lord upon the cross and he told himself that this is my work. This is what sin caused Christ. I am the cause of the torture that Jesus must undergo. By my sins, I have helped to mangle and wound Christ's, Christ's body. I have crucified him. I have put him there by my sins. I have never been mistreated by Jesus, but I have mistreated him. Instead, I should love him with all my heart and strive to help him in the redemption of mankind. So recall often these three pictures, or even just one of them, when you go and prepare for confession. And your act of contrition will be much more sincere. Think of this as you and think of this as we venerate the relic of the true cross, which we will do in a minute. To think about our Lord's sacred passion, his death, and renew your, your contrition for your sins. Imagine yourself to be on Mount Calvary whenever you go to confession at the feet of the crucified Savior, whose precious blood is dripping and dropping freely to cleanse your own sins. It is the merit of his sacred blood 
which is sprinkled over the sinner as they kneel in confession. Be sure then that you open your heart fully to the confessor and put away your sins by confessing them. For in proportion that they are put out, that you confess them, so will the precious merits of of the passion of Christ come into your soul and fill you with blessings. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.